Channel 2 Radio, The Mindset Matters Show with Sinat Noorani. Good morning, good morning, beautiful people, and welcome again. Here we are on Friday at The Mindset Matters Talk Show. I'm your host for the next hour, and if it's your first time listening in, you can find me here every Friday, same time, same place where I'll be talking all subjects that impact our mental health and well-being. Now, for those of you who don't know me, I'm also a mental health and well-being coach and therapist, speaker and author of the book, Begin Each Day with Positive Affirmations and Empowering Questions. And I truly believe that, you know, by using affirmations, positive affirmations and just answering ourselves Uh, questions about what's happening in our lives, what's going on, can really empower us to move forward. And the information in this book, uh, the affirmations and questions are ones that I've used on my journey. And I continue to find new questions and inspirations from other people as well. Right, so I love and I'm passionate about working with people who want to better their personal or professional life. Now, mental health well-being in the workplace is hugely important to me. And that's because of my past experiences uh, when I was in the workplace as a primary teacher. So uh, I've taken that kind of learning journey to really focus on the workplace environment. Because even now, and it's not just in the educational sector, but it's in lots of different working environments, mental health affects everybody and everywhere. So what I do is I empower my clients to gain clarity by breaking through challenges such as anxiety, stress, getting goal clarification, building their confidence, addressing fears that stop them from living the life they desire. Now, I fundamentally believe that it all starts from self-awareness and having the right tools and strategies in your back pocket as a preventative. Ready at that moment to be pulled out at any moment in time. Now, if you want to find out more how I can support you and your company, or even learn more about me and my services, pop over to www.zenatnarani.com. And while you're there, why not book a call with me for, for a free consultation? Let's get talking at calendly.com forward slash Zenat Narani. Now, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to my dearest friend. And, you know, I always play this same song uh, when I begin my show, when I end my show, the Miles Cyrus, the climb. And my dearest friend who I call Ben, which means sister as well. Um, she's been having a tough week and I just wanted to, you know, dedicate that song to her. That yes, it's a climb. We all have those challenges. And I'm sending you radio wave hugs and hope that you have an even better day today. But we will be catching up at the weekend. So it's going to be amazing. So I just wanted to send my love to you and know that 
you know, people are thinking about you and we are here for you. And I think that message just goes out to everyone, really, that, you know, when you're struggling, reach out for help. You know, don't suffer in silence. Seek support. You know, notice what's going on with your friends as well. And just be that listening ear. And I think that's really, really important. Okay, so let me dive in. So as you know, this show is about bringing awareness, breaking down stigmas around mental health. But, you know, like I said earlier on, it's about knowing that you're not alone, that we all go through challenging times in our lives. And it's absolutely okay to not be okay for a moment, but also again, to ask for help. Because if you don't start asking for help, how are you going to move forward? There is no shame in seeking support and opening up. Because as humans, we can only keep a certain amount of stress and thoughts within our brain to then allow us to actually think clearly and focus on something and be more productive in life. Uh, as always, yes, so, um, you know, don't forget to tweet in your comments and shout outs to at Zenat underscore Narani. And don't forget to use the hashtag MSM Radio Talks in your post. And please do continue to like, follow and share and spread the importance of this radio station. Uh, another shout out I'd like to do because, it's you know, I walked into the studio and I was like, oh, my God, there's some here. So a shout out to Jules Serkins. Uh, what yummy ginger biscuits and chocolate bourbons. I finally got to nibble on some during the show. You know, having my show on a Friday, I seem to be missing out on all the goodies that happen in the week. So it was really nice. So I've been doing a bit of pre uh, dunking in coffee. So I've enjoyed that. And I'll probably go and do a little bit more during the break time dunking ginger biscuits and chocolate bourbons in coffee so thank you Jules for that um okay so what I would love is I would love to hear from you by tweeting in how you are all doing this week or over the last couple of weeks you know what's been going on what's been challenging for you how have you coped what strategies have you used have you reached out for support you know, this is a sharing platform and I would love for you to share what's going on. But also, not just about your struggles, but your successes, because we learn from each other the successes, you know, and how has that success impacted you mentally, emotionally and physically? So share how you best went about achieving those goals and successes, but with the forefront, at the forefront, maintaining your well-being. So it would be great for you to jump onto Twitter and tweet in what's been going on because I think that's really important. So I'm just having a look at my Facebook because I forgot to put the um, time out on it and it keeps going into lock, lockdown. Uh, what have we got here? Oh, Sarah Ramash Collins has made her breakfast and corn sausages, sandwiches with avocado. I know she loves her avocado and tomato and hot sauce. And she's sitting there ready for my showing. Well, she's already listening. Oh, my God, that looks absolutely divine. You're making me hungry. But you know what? I've got my ginger biscuits to keep me going at the moment and my chocolate bourbons. <laughs> um, OK, uh, she's also tweeted in. Yes, um, thank you for your, uh, that, Ben. 
you've been an amazing support this week and every week. Uh, I, I think that's important, just checking in, knowing, and that's what I love doing. And you know what? It costs absolutely nothing just to make a quick text or pick up the phone. And we're so lucky we live in a world of technology where we can just text people. But I think sometimes it's nice to pick up that phone so you actually hear those voices as well. So it's not all texting and emailing. Okay, so um, yes, tell me about that. Um, what else have we got? Oh, yeah, so not just about yourself, but, um, you know, as I've said, you know, how, how have you been supporting someone? Tell us um, some tips around that and the impact that it's happened. And also, you know, how, you know, when we show up, so thinking about how we show up, you know, how do we want to show up for ourselves and for others in life? Because that can also impact people's mental health and well-being. So where are we? What are we doing? How are we showing up? Really important. Right, so just to let you know, uh, um, coming up after the break, you will hear from Graham Brown, who I was introduced to by my dearest friend and you know, Sarah Marsh Collins, as you haven't guessed already, she is a big part of my life. So Sarah Marsh Collins from Babel Monkey. Uh, she's a digital marketing and content writing. Um, her company's amazing. So do check her out on LinkedIn. What she does is fantastic. She knows her stuff. But not only that, she really knows how to bring the chatter and life to your business. And she's an amazing person. So, yes, she introduced me. Uh, yeah, better not waffle on. Uh, let's refocus, Zena. Okay, so um, she introduced me to Graham Brown. So Graham is a former army musician and Gulf War veteran and has been at the helm of forces recruitment for the past 20 years, helping over 10,000 service men and women into work. His mission is to rid the world of bad hires and help the next 10,000 veterans into work. He's a behavioural coach specialising in Contribution Compass, a platform which is also at the heart of his other business, Fitness Club Dynamics and Military Dynamics, a new veteran training programme for people looking and needing help in their new career. So he's going to be coming up uh, shortly after the break. Um so do tune in. It's, of course, it's pre-recorded. Unfortunately, he was unable to make it to the studio due to the distance apart that we live. But maybe one day we will be able to connect and I can get him into the studio because it would be amazing because I had the most amazing time interviewing him before, during and after the interview. He was absolutely fab. Right, as usual, what have we got going on this month? So, oh my goodness, it's already July, believe it or not. I don't know where the time has actually flown. Uh, at least the sunshine's out today as well, so it's a lot more uplifting and I'm hoping it will stick because I've planned for a barbecue. But hey-ho, if it doesn't happen, there's always another solution. Okay, so what's happening? So we've got... On the 24th, um, the big listen by the Samaritans. So every six seconds, somebody contacts the Samaritans. Ten times a minute, they help someone turn their life around. So every year, oh, it's, sorry, it's 24-7 Samaritans. Excuse me. So every year in July, 
What they do, the Samaritan branches in the UK and Republic of Ireland hold local events to raise awareness that Samaritans are here to listen to anyone who is struggling to cope at any time of the day or night. So do look out for that. See how you can get involved with the Samaritans, whether it's doing um, working with them, doing a good deed, donating. This is the time where they're going to be bringing a bigger awareness of what they do. Uh, we've also got World Hepatitis Day, which is the 28th of July. And this takes place bringing the whole world together under a single theme to raise awareness of the global burden of viral hepatitis and to influence real change. So in uh, this year, which is 2021, of course, the theme is Hepatitis Can't Wait. So on World Hepatitis Day, the 28th of July, they call on people from across the world to take action and raise awareness of hepatitis because um, hepatitis cannot wait. It, you know, we need to do something about it. And also worldwide, three million people are living with this viral hepatitis um, hepatitis, which, you know, they're unaware of. Without finding um, the undiagnosed and linking them to care, millions will continue to suffer and lives will be lost. World Hepatitis Day calls on people from across the world to take action, raise awareness and join in the quest to finding the missing millions. And like I said, you know, with every dying person, every, you know, 30 seconds from the hepatitis-related illness, even in current COVID crisis, we can't wait to act on viral hepatitis. So it's about bringing the awareness on the 28th. Now, I don't know about you, but um, I was um, looking on the news the other day and scrolling through um, Facebook, and there was the um, program on Philip Schofield and how he was coming out to say that, you know, he is gay after all these years. Now, I just wanted to um, kind of put out there to see how this affects. I mean, you know, I'm sure this touched many people's lives. Uh, he's probably resonated with lots of people. So I would just love you to tweet in your thoughts around uh, Philip Schofield coming out after all these years, being married, having children. Because I know from uh, people that I know, similar things have happened. And this can also really affect people's mental well-being, not just for himself, but his friends and his family around him. And, I, you know, I just wanted to throw it out there to see what your thoughts are around this. Thank you, Chandra. Uh, he's tweeted in for uh, listening in this morning. Uh, he says, and I would like to... Also, I'm sorry, I would also like to support our dear friend, Sarah Marsh Collins. Absolutely. You know, there's a huge group of us, um, you know, Chandra, Pusch and Sarah. And we do. We really do support each other, not only as friendship, but we do amazing things together, which has supported us through the past, especially through the past 18 months, where we formed a networking group called the Business Continuity Support right at the beginning of the lockdown in March and it was amazing we, we were there to support people with all sorts of needs from f um, business 
to well-being, um, finding access to where they needed to go because people were very lost. And that can affect people in so many different ways. And we are really proud of setting up that group that we had and we continue to do so. We actually have the next event on the 14th of July. Uh, I haven't got the link with me, but if you go across to Eventbrite and you put in business continuity support, you'll be able to see that. And we hold them every single month. So do check it out. We have amazing speakers on there. In fact, we've got a great speaker coming up on the 14th, Thomas Erickson. So, yeah, do check it out. Um, oh, yeah, Sarah's replying to Chandra. And you do, uh, Chandra, bye. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate that support. I'm very lucky to have fabulous and true friends. And I could say that too. You know, isn't this great that we've got a social media platform where we can do these instant messages to validate and recognize people for who they are and what they do, their self-worth and their love? Okay, I think I've waffled on enough for now. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to go into a short break. We're going to stretch our feet, get the blood circulating, top up our water glasses and have a little boogie if you must. And we'll be right back to hear what Graham had to say.
to Mindset Matters, exploring mental health and well-being horizons with Sinat Noorani. This show is dedicated to offering insight, support and tips covering a range of topics related to addressing your mental health and well-being. Each week, guest experts and brave inspirational people share their personal journey and experiences about their recovery, bringing awareness and change to the importance of breaking through this long-standing negative stigma. Okay, welcome, welcome, welcome back. Okay, um, I've just been looking at my Twitter and I think I might have caused a bit of little bit of issue with the ginger biscuits. So I think uh, when I'm here next Tuesday, uh, next Tuesday, next Friday, I will buy Jules and pour some ginger biscuits. I'll leave them here for you so they're here ready for you on your show on Tuesday at the Business Bunker. But they are delicious. They are irresistible. I know, uh, Jules. Uh, yeah, you love a ginger. <laughs> okay, so we are going to have to go into, but I know Sarah has just tweeted, and thank you for that, Sarah, in terms of the link to the business continuity support. So if you go over to the Twitter, let me try and bring this out. It is, um, oh, where's it gone now? Oh, dear, I've gone and lost it. Let me see. Well, what I'll do is I'll try and dig it out and then, oh, here it is, I think. No, it's not. What I will do while you're listening to uh, Gra um, Graham Brown, I shall find the link. But you can always go over to my Twitter page, Zena underscore Narani, and find the link there and connect with um, Sarah Marsh Collins as well because she's posted it on there too. Okay, without further ado, let's hear what Graham Brown had to share. Hello, Graham, and welcome to the Mindset Matters show. Thank you very much for coming on and talking to us about your personal experiences and about what you do right now. So I'm going to dive straight in and get you talking. <laughs> welcome. Thank you. Nice to see you, Zina. Lovely to see you too. By the way, we are over Zoom, so uh, Graham's not in the studio, unfortunately, because he lives way too far away from me. <laughs> As you can tell by the accent. As you can. Yes, you can definitely. And I'm not going to be trying that accent either because I'm not very good with accents. So, Graham, why don't you tell us a little bit about your um, background? So um, my, my journey is, a, is an interesting one. Um, I uh, joined the army at uh, 18 after finishing my A-levels and uh, I joined as a musician. Um, 
and uh, uh, went off to uh, um, various uh, various sunny climates. Um, went to America a couple of times, Belize a couple of times. Did some jungle training, um, which was very dirty and muddy. And uh, then went went to the Gulf. Did the first Gulf War. Um, so I had quite a colourful um, uh, life during my, my time in the uh, mm -hmm. in the army, but I got to see a bit of the world. Um, I think it uh, um, it certainly straightened me out and uh, really helped me to understand where my values lay and uh, and how I could use some of the skills and traits that I learned in the forces to take me forward into uh, into civil life. Um, so I think that they they often say that you know the. Um, that the forces will make a, a man or a woman of you, <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think it it, uh, it it certainly did that. But um, yeah, instill some uh, some values that I I maintain to to this very day, and mm -hmm. um, going around the world and and uh, meeting various cultures, uh, see how how different people in different countries operate, how they do things, um, I, and I think is is very good from a um, uh, just a personal point of view and a personal growth point of view. So that was uh, that was really interesting. Uh, the, the Gulf War was an interesting experience, um, mm -hmm. and uh, and the various tours that uh, that we did. So uh, we did a few um, Edinburgh tattoos, and uh, you know working with uh, cultures from uh, from all around the world. So uh, you know ceremonially, we, we we played for the Queen on a few occasions, um, wow. and I was a trumpet player, so that was my my main instrument. Amazing. And um, and I was allowed off to do dance band and uh, um, and sing <laughs> and play piano a little bit. But sometimes as well, so there's quite a, quite a bit of variety to the uh, to, to the actual job. Um, so that was my yeah my military background. And would you say the um, the forces was what you expected it to be, even though you had all of this going on um, in terms of the wide experiences, the amazing things that you've seen? Um, yeah, as you called it, very colourful. Yeah, I. I I don't know if uh, if anything really prepares you for joining the forces. Uh, you know, we we each have an impression of what it might be like, but um, the the reality is very often uh, very often different from what we expect. So I knew I was joining up as a, a musician, and. Um, I got pulled into my platoon commander's office on on the first day of basic training, and he said, "Right, uh, you're you're off to Sandhurst." He said, "You know, I'm looking at your qualifications here, and you've got A levels and GCSEs, so you know you're 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 off to do officer training." And I said, mm -hmm. "That's not why I joined up, sir. You know, I joined up to play music." <laughs> and he said, "That's total rubbish. You're going to Sandhurst." And I no. said, "No, I'm not." I joined up to play music. That's exactly what I was going to do, and he, he didn't quite understand that. You know, uh, I think uh, as far as officers are concerned, if you if you've got A levels, then you go to Sandhurst. Um, but I, my trade was uh, was very specifically music. I'd uh, I, I trained as a musician all the way through my life, and uh, and quite enjoyed what the what the army had to offer in terms of being a musician. And uh, and during times of war, you know, I, I didn't go out holding my trumpet to the Gulf. Um, you know that there had been a limited op opportunity for for trumpet and players and buglers in the in yeah. times of war so we are um uh, we're medics so we had to do medical training um wow. and that's what we what we served as during our, our time in the gulf uh, but I, I think towards the end of my military career um we ended up doing more and more guard duties and what we call stagging on in the in the forces and I'd spent most of my last 18 months of service doing that and I just got right. a little bit disillusioned what is stagging sorry 
stagging on um, as basically <laughs> um, doing guard duty, you know, patrolling and standing okay. on a gate. And I just thought, I'm a musician. I'm not really built mm. for, for this. And I just got bored. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I need to be kept engaged. And uh, um, I just decided that was enough for me. So, um, yeah, I'd signed off and decided to resettle in the, the, the Cambridgeshire area where I, was, uh, where I was posted. And that took me on to my, my next phase. Fantastic. And I mean, while you were there in the forces, were there any sort of moments that were really challenging for you that you had to really think about um, your mental well-being, all those kind of aspects? Oh, yeah. Um, I think in particular, the, the, the Gulf. Um, uh, I think back in the, the early 90s, we were expecting a, a third world war all yes, the rhetoric uh, to come out of uh, the Middle East was that, um, you know, Afghanistan were going to get involved, the Russians were going to get involved, maybe even China. Mm. And we were expecting to be out there for, for two or three years. Now, as it turned out, we only stayed out there for three months. Um, but at the time we left, we thought we'd be out there for a very long post. And then this would be a, a, a third world war that could last for years. Um, yeah, no, look I back remember now, that seems, clearly, because mm. I was living in Dubai during the first Gulf War. Right. Yeah, we weren't too far apart in that. Uh, no, we weren't. <laughs> so we uh, we initially got posted to uh, Jubail, um, and then shipped out to um, uh, to the, the the back of the front line. So that's where they kept the two um, field hospitals. So we we were taking mainly Iraqi casualties, um, and a lot of them mm-hmm. were operated on, you know, because they they different sorts of uh, of injuries, but. Um, our job mainly was guarding the camp. You know, we we actually thought when we went out there, we got posted that we we might get to practice a little bit of uh, of medical work. Um, but when we pitched up at a field hospital, we were the lowest qualified medics there. So uh, we ended up staggering on again and uh, on, yes, and and doing uh, doing pan bashing. So um, um, if you can imagine, I um, I a steel tin um about two feet square. Uh, we were given a wire brush to clean that out um, when it was full of um, scrambled egg. And it took wow. about an hour and a half to do each pan. So they, they label that as character building. I, I'm not sure I entirely agree yeah. with that. But, uh, that and it's different uh, characters within the carvings of the scrambled egg. I don't know. Well, it's it's time we won't get back. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> really exciting. <laughs> yeah, never a dull moment. But I, I think that there were um, there was one time in particular um, when uh, the missiles were flying overhead, and we got mm. we got used to this every every night. And um, uh, I put my gas mask on. I had my gas mask on for um, uh, for eleven hours, um, and wow. the sweat was building up in my mask to the point where it was getting up to my nose. Um, and uh, in the end, I just opened it up and uh, and and blew some air into it, and uh, I, I just couldn't uh, could hardly breathe anymore. And during the day, it was stifling, and during the night, it was freezing, so it was below zero. So there's a lot of people with uh, with with colds, and you think a cold in the desert, but yeah, I know it doesn't make sense. <laughs> that was the reality of it, and. Um, I think that that was one moment. Another moment was uh, when I was sitting with my um, uh, my stag partner, my guard partner, on on the front gate, just looking around, thinking, "What am I doing here? I'm a trumpet player. This is completely nuts." Um, and um, and I, I felt quite depressed in that uh, in that moment. And I, I made a deal with myself at that point. I thought, "This feels like the lowest point in my life." 
Um, and if anything else happens to me that's really bad in my life, I'm going to remember this moment and how rubbish this was. Um, and I'm going to mm -hmm. harness that and use that feeling so that whatever life throws at me, I can handle because I know it's not going to be as bad as this moment. Mm -hmm. And uh, interestingly, during the pandemic, I've called upon that moment a couple of times. Um, oh, okay. So uh, th that's been incredibly powerful for me. It's been like a like an anchor yeah. Um, over the last 30 years, which has been really effective. Um, and uh, it takes quite a lot to get me down now. So um, mm -hmm. uh, I've used that to power my way through the rest of my life. And that's really interesting you said that and the word anchoring, because with what I do with a lot of my clients is NLP. And one of the tools we use is anchoring of a memory or a thought, yeah. whatever that may be for them or powerful words or feelings and that's called anchoring it's the same thing you call upon it when you need it it's exactly that brilliant and I, I i did not expect to be using that 30 years later um and uh i'm i'm quite a resilient character but uh i think you know over the last 12 months in particular goodness me we've been tested uh, as a um as a um, a, a group of people um, and uh, as as communities, it's been an incredibly difficult uh, um, time for mm -hmm. for many, and uh, we lost one of our team um, to, to suicide over uh, over that period, which was uh, you know devastating for uh, for, for all of us. Mm -hmm. And it shows that uh, I think COVID comes in many forms. You know, it's it's not just the direct lives it takes. I think it's uh, uh, a lot of people have been massively affected um, by um, uh, being confined to. Uh, to their, their, their quarters for uh, an extraordinary amount of time um, you know so I, I think you know where where people like you can add massive value to the well to the human race is, is helping people to anchor and and build their way out of of where they are just empower them to make different choices and get back on their feet again yeah absolutely and you know it's a really valid point that you've made there because you know, there's lots of challenges that we face, but this one, ha like you said, we've been confined into one space, into this lockdown, and a lot of us, all we've had is suddenly those thoughts, that that's all we have is our thoughts with us, isn't it, a lot of the time, and it can bring up so many um, probably past negative traumas or um, situations that have happened to us because we've got that time to actually think. In a way, it's a good thing, but not in the way that it's actually causing detriment to people's mental health and well-being. And unfortunately, you know, you mentioned suicide. That has been massive, where that is so so on the increase, um, not even just for that, uh, for whether it's those men, you know, that they've had past traumas, but pe people suffering from eating disorders, Oh, there's been a whole load of things that are kind of going down to the form of suicide. And we're, we're not built to, to be confined in the way we have been. It's, it's just, you know, um, it's not normal. And uh, I think in, in this country, we enjoy a, an extraordinary amount of freedom, which is not always shared around uh, around the world you know different cultures have their have their own systems and their own beliefs but we've uh, we've enjoyed uh, um, a, a sustained period of um, 
uh, of of growth and development as a as a nation and to be confined in the way we have been over the last 12 months nothing is is normal about that and it's it's spread all all around the world in a, in the most dreadful fashion you know and it's it's just thankful that we are starting to emerge from that um from that now but you look around the world and a lot of countries are are still struggling so you know um, mental mental health is a um uh, didn't used to be a thing <laughs> it's always been a thing um it's been a thing but it's been brought even more to light acute focus yeah absolutely <laughs> and you know you're right again it's it, we have i I, we have been in this lockdown, but I still think, and I always go back to how lucky we are because we have had some sense of freedom, being able to step out of our houses, go for walks, whether that's with one person or two, where there are other countries in the world that cannot do that. And one of them is India, as we know, and my brother lives there. I mean, he's been confined for over a year in his apartment with his wife. You're not even allowed to go to the shops there. It's dreadful, isn't it? It's awful. Yeah. And yeah, and we can't count our lucky chickens if that's what we call them. <laughs> well, I, I think somebody uh, uh, somebody said to me um, a, a few months ago, uh, if you look back at when the last time we were confined in this way, it was really the Second World War. Um, and uh, and the, the difference between that and now is that we're, we're confined to the house to watch Netflix. It's a little bit different. <laughs> so, is, have it. <laughs> is, is that something we can we can take on the chair? And probably for the most part, yes. <laughs> you know, it's really funny you said that. I, 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 do you know what? I, I should have actually looked it up and I forgot to do that. But there's this painting that was going around um, and I, I'll look it up so I can mention it on the day of the, uh, the show. So we will be mentioning it. Um, and it's this painting where this artist has painted loads of people. And I thought it was in America, if I'm not mistaken. They're all walking down the busy streets. But what they have is these plastic containers, like a global thing, protecting them on their shoulders. And it was talking about the future. That was yeah. like painted, well, God, hundreds of years ago or something. Not 100 years ago, but, you know, over 30, 40, 50 years ago. Um, and it was incredible. And... This is kind of where we are. I know we've kind of come off the track, but it's still about, you know, <laughs> what the future was holding. Strange, isn't it? Oh, that, that's that's spooky. Sometimes there are uh, there are things like that that uh, that uh, give a bit of foresight that you you just don't see in advance. There was a, a film called Contagion that we watched at the start mm. of the pandemic, and the references in there are uncomfortably accurate yeah. um, and a, a film that was uh, that was made kind of 15 15 or 20 years ago mm. um, but a lot of the stuff in there you think yep <laughs> we they, they saw the filmmakers saw that coming and we paid no heed <laughs> yeah it's incredible though isn't it and it's quite scary mm. it's, it's uh Pretty scary. Uh, yeah, oh, no, we've kind of gone off track, but that's no, okay. No, no. That's what it's all about. <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about um, what you do now for your business, because it's really interesting. You know, you've come out the forces and your work is around that. Yeah. Well, I, I had a pretty rubbish resettlement experience. Uh, when I came out in 1993, um, my resettlement officer had no idea what to do with me. And he said, if you'd been an engineer or a logistician or a chef. He said, I could have put you in somewhere. He said, but a musician, 
don't know what to do with that. So he said, why don't you go down to your local job centre, do one of those psychometric things, see how you get on <laughs> and off you pop. So I did exactly that. And uh, I did a psychometric profile and it said, you should be in sales and recruitment. Um, so I, I'd started applying for some sales jobs. Um, I got in with a, with a, did a couple of dreadful sales jobs um, to, to begin with and then ended up getting in with a company with a really good training policy. So I learned how to sell professionally and effectively. Um, mm-hmm. And after four years, I got headhunted to be the sales manager of the Officer magazine. Um, so I started getting involved in the military again. Uh, and at the time, I thought, you know, I've done my bit for Queen and Country. Do I really want to go back to that again? Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, I decided I would um, I'd, I'd make the move and I set up a resettlement magazine called Quest, um, which uh, is still running to this day and has been really effective at mm-hmm. uh, helping people to, to resettle. So I ran that for three years and um, and just got itchy feet and wanted to set up on my on my own. Um, and in 2001, set up Forces Recruitment Brand. Um, We've we've helped um, over ten thousand servicemen and women into work in uh, in that mm-hmm. time across a massive range of uh, of, of trades, and uh, that's been great fun, you know. And and what, one of the things that makes it worthwhile, I I got a, a call about three months ago from somebody we'd placed five years ago, and he said I just found your business card and I thought I'd give you a ring and say you know thanks for putting me in this job because I love it um, and I'm still here, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that uh, you have to have a pretty cold heart not to be moved by. Uh, by something like that yeah. and, um, we've placed all around the world we've placed in uh, in high net worth offices to uh, for for famous people we've worked with the royal household um and uh, we've worked with uh with with smes and large uh large big name corporates um uh, all through that time so um it's been a, a lot of fun. It's been quite a it's quite a ride. Um, mm-hmm. I think one of the things that we've we've looked to build in when we've changed our processes over the years was um, was uh, building uh, behavioural profiling, yes. and I do an awful lot of that now in my my day to day work. So we we try and um, be responsible to the employer and to the job seeker by getting the fit right. So we've got a six-stage interview process that we build in behavioural profiling to. And we use a, a platform called Contribution Compass. And uh, that's been really effective at helping to find that right match to match the the behaviour as well as the skill. Because most of the time, in my experience, employers hire on skill and fire on behaviour. Yes. They always assess the skill, but almost never assess the behaviour. Mm-hmm. So we step in there to try and help them assess both um, to make sure that that fit is, uh, is as clear close to symbiotic as we can make it because if you've got um uh, if you've got a good responsible employer and uh, the, the 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 new team member the employee comes in and there's a good fit there well you're not trying to file down the edges of somebody to make them into something they're not when there's a good symbiosis there then the chances of that hire working out successfully rather than a an expensive bad hire that costs tens of thousands of pounds um you know it's greatly uh, greatly increased when you get the right fit so um and and I love that because we're really good at uh, really good at that part and you know the great thing about um you know this behavioral profiling as well it it will um put to light more of their strengths and possibly weaknesses that could be turned into those strengths for those employees and they go might go actually they're going to be perfect for this because they've got even though it might be a weakness slightly but i wouldn't call it a weakness i like to call them improvements areas of improvements in their behavior rather than their weakness that can be flipped around so i think that's absolutely fantastic to do that um there's there's something interesting that we do that's a little bit uh 
different from most. Um, we, we do profile the candidates, but we, we ask the employer to profile the job first. Yeah. Um, so that we've got something to match to. So that the employer will uh, will do a, um, a questionnaire online called the contribution identifier, which allows us mm -hmm. to identify the contribution they need in the role. Mm -hmm. And then we can uh, we, we can overlay the, 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 the candidate and, uh, and look at what the variance is and what the difference is. And we can predict with a fair amount of certainty what that candidate is likely to show up um, like yeah. when they actually take the job and that's been massively effective and it's really helpful for the uh, the job seeker as well to know um, how close they would fit into that and and again predictably what the job is likely to be mm. um, it's not an exact science because you know um, sometimes priorities change sometimes the role Absolutely. changes sometimes people change um, but it, at least it uh, allows us to be uh, to, to give a little bit of uh, of insurance around the, the the process itself and that's that's been massively helpful for people i think yeah and it gives that insight doesn't it and i think that's really important because people tend to want some sort of i suppose validity or evidence that this is what my, uh, the person that i'm hiring is going to be like and it's that's right you know, you've got something solid <laughs> They're looking for predictability, and and it's completely understandable. And and actually, the the job seekers looking for predictability as mm -hmm. well. You know, why would you want to take on a job where you only last for two or three months? Yeah. Um, mo unless it's a temporary position, most people want a, a job that's going to last. Um, and the employer's looking for the same thing. Um, Regrettably, though, what happens in the recruitment industry is that uh, recruiters are not always responsible um, mm. because they're chasing their fee. Um, they like to take the money and run um, very mm. often, and that's not great. Um, no. what, what we try and do is uh, is make sure that fit is right. And sometimes we'll uh, we'll remove candidates from the process if we don't feel that that fit is, is right, because that's responsible to the employer and it's responsibility to the candidate um, because we want that fit to be right. And then we'll we'll talk to the candidate about trying to find something else for them because that particular role at that time just isn't right for them. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, in my opinion, good responsible recruiting. You know, you want to get that symbiotic fit absolutely right. Fantastic. That's amazing. And, you know, just kind of going back to what you do, um, and, you know, you hear it time and time again, you have about forces looking for employment when they come out of the military. What do they do? Or, you know, many might not be able to find their feet, whether they've gone through um, severe traumas or they don't feel like they've got the, the confidence to do a different job from what they've been doing. I mean, do you think there is enough support for military people when they come out of the military? Um, well, there are some amazing military charities um, out there to, to help and support um, service people through difficult times. You know, you've got the, the British Legion, Forces yeah. Mind Trust, uh, Quo Vadis, um, Help for Heroes. Uh, there's, there's a stack of great military charities that do an, an amazing job to help and support. Um, the, the support that service people get now from when I come out is very different. Yes. Um, so the support is much better. Uh, you know, for example, PTSD wasn't uh, wasn't recognised as a condition when uh, when I left, and not for many years after. Yeah. Um, uh, and that support is uh, is much better than it was before. I think the. Um, the press uh, do like to focus on the sensationalism of people coming out with PTSD and going uh, and going mm. crazy. Uh, the, the reality is actually somewhat different. Um, it is a tiny, tiny uh, proportion of uh, 
of people having left the forces who end up with, uh, you know, really struggling with the, with PTSD. Uh, many have a condition of some sort that they live with um, and uh, and adapt to, um, but the vast vast majority um, leave without any um, a, a, any scars. Um, so, I, but I, I think from from the press that you see mm. um, a lot a lot of the time, it's like fifty percent of people come out like this. It's just not not the reality. Mm. And for those who do need extra support, um, there is a lot around, um, and that is much better than it than it was before. You get the odd person that uh, falls through the cracks, which is um, which is dreadful. Um, and uh, you know, if, if we ever hear of people like that, we would always uh, we'd always refer them back to to someone. You know, we we're not counsellors. You know, we can help with uh, with with careers. We can help them identify their their natural behaviour. Um, but we're not. We, um, you know, we, we don't claim to be doctors or psychologists or anything like that. So we we would refer them to experts who can uh, who can help them along the way. And we've done that um, many times. You know, sometimes people need the right help at the right time in the right place you know all those conditions sometimes have to be met um but i i don't see too many examples of that m myself and when we do then we'd we'd refer them to experts and i think with you being in the position that you are in the recruitment you're more likely to notice this and be aware of if there are any arising sort of um symptoms or issues or support that they somebody might need an individual yeah, and, and sometimes uh, you'll you'll have uh, things will come out in the interview process, um, and you know we we have quite a, a rigorous six stage interview process, so um, <laughs> we would normally spot something if it's not quite right, um, and uh, and and challenge it because it's it's not fair on either party if um, if the candidate's just not ready for a job. Um, or for that job and uh, at that time, and that's totally fine. Um, but um, I, I think sometimes the desperation of wanting to get a job, any job, um, they, they'll you know sometimes people will just say what they need to say. Yeah. Um, this is why we put quite a lot of stock in the behavioural profiling, um, and then the the interviewing after that to make sure that 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 fit is is right and responsible at the right time for people. Um, and if it's not, then at that moment, that job's not quite right for that person. And mm -hmm. that's that's totally fine. Yeah, no, fa fascinating, absolutely fascinating what you do. And I think it's amazing. Um, you know, I didn't really <clears throat> know about the, you know, behavioral profiling, the, what you do um, in that sense, because I tend to use DISC profiling, which is similar, but dif different in some ways, depends how you look at it. Um, and you know, the whole identify for the employees, that's brilliant, absolutely fantastic. And I think it is needed. Yeah, and I, I think I think any kind of uh, of profiling is a is a start because the the starting point for that is to seek to understand um, yeah. and uh, uh, and that is as long as profiling is used in that kind of manner. You know what uh, what we do here is is try and draw a map for what what somebody's like at the moment, how it matches to what the employer is looking for, and what that might be like going forward. Um, so it's almost like a self-development plan um, that the candidate can follow the, the, themselves and the employer can follow with through the line manager. So it's a good way of keeping them engaged. So if you know how somebody naturally behaves, then the mm. employer can make some adjustments to, uh, to, to accommodate that. And that's the, the very best chance of getting somebody to, to work out in an organisation is to pay attention to that and keep an eye on it. 
absolutely absolutely and it, it is it's the starting point and it's also important to remember that whatever the outcomes of those profiling comes out it's not who you are it's just maybe a preference or it's the base of it but you can adapt and change your ways as well and your behaviors it's not that it's come out this way that you're permanently this way and i think that's also an educational part that people need to learn as well as well as the person going through it and for the employers yeah the the four um uh, the four num uh, talent frequencies which are the the numbers that make up the four profile types i like to think of these as as energy tanks um mm -hmm. and through the contribution compass in any moment you can move anywhere in the compass mm -hmm. uh, sometimes you'll you'll feel creative sometimes you'll need to be around people sometimes you want to be a million miles away from people um sometimes you want to focus on details sometimes you want to get stuff ticked off so we we can move around the compass and and be different things in different moments um but we just need to understand that that each of those has got a particular um a particular burn rate and uh, and will will disappear faster than uh, than others so i'm uh, myself i'm not a detail person um i know that about myself i will usually give detail related tasks to other people in my team who treat mm -hmm. that as a superpower and who are much much better at it than me um, my uh, my superpower and my energy is focused elsewhere. I'm I'm good at engaging with people and uh, and and getting stuff off the ground. You know that's that's where I, I add a lot of value. But as far as detail and ticking stuff off, that's that's not really my my superpower. But when you've got other people who can support that, that's totally fine. And when the people in your team understand how that works, then they can support you in the best way and you can support them. So that's that's how it works in a, yeah. a really kind of responsible, symbiotic way. Absolutely. Then you have your Fantastic Four or, or you know, the, the, the Marvel team, if you want to call it. Everybody's <laughs> working each other's strengths. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, right. Uh, you know, it's coming towards the end. So I want to get a few other little questions in there. What would you say your top advice is to um, anyone listening out there or people who have come out of the forces and wanting to go into recruitment? You know, what advice would you give out or just a general advice if you have? So I think to, uh, um, to an employer, I, I would say um, give a service man or woman a chance. Um, uh, don't always rely on what you see on, on paper um, mm. because uh, CVs don't, uh, military CVs don't of, often translate into the right kind of civvy speak. Um, they do when we uh, um, lace them because we, we understand what we're mm. looking at. But sometimes you'll look at that and say, you know, for an operations manager, you think, oh, well, they haven't really done operations work before, mm. so that's probably not right. But when you actually dig into what they have done and you understand that, um, you would probably take a different view. So give them a chance, get them in front of you, at least do a Zoom interview so you can uh, you, you can interrogate some of those questions and any concerns that you've got, ask them about. Um, and I would absolutely profile them, um, yeah. you know, so you, you know with a level of predictability what they're likely to show up like. And uh, does that fit with uh, with what you're uh, what you're looking for? And I think my, my advice to um, uh, to veteran uh, job seekers would be um, just have a little bit of faith, play to your strengths. I would also recommend doing a profile so you you know where you might that the type of roles you might uh, you might fit into. Um, and once you've decided on that, then don't compromise. Um, you know, go after it with a passion, um, and um, and try wherever you can to try and find your purpose um yeah. and as a, a you know i would recommend looking at uh, the the ted talk from simon sinek 
or oh. finding the poet of your why. It's, yes. it's simple. Oh, but I mean, I love his book. You can't go wrong there. <laughs> no, it's absolutely terrific. And it, it really helps to give you a, a laser focus on finding uh, finding your why. And I think once you understand that, then, you know, life starts to shift for you. Um, and I, I absolutely got uh, got mine and I'm, I'm having mm. a ball with it, you know, and the, the stuff that I'm doing now by, by day doing my military work and by evening being a, a vocal coach and helping to prepare kids for drama school is, is wonderful. I've got the best of both worlds. Um, I'm doing yeah, through the things absolutely. How beautiful. You've got a nice balance there, isn't it? That's great. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, no, really important tips there and advice. Absolutely, completely agree with that. Um, tell us something interesting about yourself, something that somebody doesn't know or a fun fact. Somebody that some, somebody doesn't know. Um, I, um, I wrote a musical based on Frankenstein that we took to the Fringe. Um, I uh, got some great reviews at the, uh, at the Fringe. Um, and I've got a master's in film composition. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I hope we get to hear yeah, about I, that. Maybe can yes, you... not, not stuff I tell uh, people about, really, because it's, <laughs> it's way off piece to what we were doing the, in the military. But, uh, yeah, a bit, bit unusual. Well, if you send me a piece, maybe I'll put it on the radio, on an MP3. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take you up on that. Yeah, fantastic. Right, you know what? Uh, sadly, we're going to have to end this now. Um, as you know, we could talk for hours and hours, but it has been an absolute pleasure having you on. Um, and, you know, any employees out there or any veterans that wanting to find out more about Graham, please do get in contact with him. Graham, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, you can email me direct, uh, graham at forcesrecruitment.co.uk or look on the website, uh, www.forcesrecruitment.co.uk. And yeah. uh, uh, Zena, love uh, Zena, love the work you're doing. Absolutely unbelievable, mm -hmm. and uh, pleasure being on your show. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure too. Take care. Thank you. Oh my goodness! Wow, we what an amazing interview I had with Graham. Isn't he absolutely fantastic? You know, the whole profiling system is such a great tool that he talks about. You know, you really do get an insight to self-awareness. And as he said, knowing your superpower. Um, so it works for um, everyone in a, a symbiotic way. Yes. And what he said, give servicemen and women a chance, you know, look deeper to see what's behind the CV. And without a doubt, passion and purpose, um, as he mentioned by Simon Sinek, the why. I mean, I talk about that quite a lot as well. You know, Graham Brown, it was absolutely amazing to have you on the show. I know you're listening in and I really do hope that I can actually get you into the studio at some point. Now, while we were having that interview, uh, we were speak. Uh, I mentioned the painting of the future and I've just tweeted it onto my Twitter so Zena underscore Narani it's by Walter Molino, Molino painted in 1962 and it's titled Life in 2022 so go and check it out um, it has been out there for quite a while but it's absolutely amazing it just makes you think about you know the future how people have been predicting it and including the movies that has been mentioned today Right, sadly, I'm going to have to say goodbye now. It's coming to that time. So thank you so much for joining me on the Mindset Matters show today. Thank you for all your tweeting in. It's been amazing as always. 
And this show will be available for you to listen on anchor.fm forward slash Zenat hyphen Narani MSM. And do continue to support the show. It's so important that we spread this awareness about mental health and well-being. Have a fabulous weekend. Keep safe and well, and I'll see you here next week. The Mindset Matters Show, exploring mental health and well-being horizons with Zenat Nurani on Channel 2 Radio. Shaken, but I'm listening to Channel 